to the Forerunners Podcast. Let's get right into part two of our interview with Scott Ward. Enjoy. All right, we're back with episode two. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at Scott that I didn't even tell him I was gonna ask him about. Let's talk about tattoos, dude. <laughs> All right. When did you start getting tattoos? I got my first tattoo when I was 18. Oh, so you've been getting tattoos for a while. Huh? I've been getting tattooed for a long time. There's obviously there's there's um, the ebb and flow. So I'm actually super jealous of people like younger kids now, even young adults that didn't start out getting piecemeal tattoos. Right? I feel like everybody should have a shitty tattoo, like as a badge of courage. Um, so when I was 18, 18, 19, um, my first tattoo was a Mickey Mouse tattoo. It was about maybe two and a half inches um, tall. It was on my shoulder. And nobody was getting tattooed then. Like you went to a, I went to a, went to this place called a ASI Tattoo on State Street in Salt Lake City. It was a biker, like, hangout. Yeah. The dudes that tattooed were scary looking. Right? The lady who did it, her name was Sharon. She was the shop owner. She'd been tattooing for like 30 years. It was a, it was a scary... I don't want to say scary. It was an interesting experience. Right? Yeah. And so then uh, over the years, then I got another tattoo, and then I got another tattoo. And, I, you know, at that time, nobody went into the, the tattoo parlor and was like, Hi, this is the arm sleeve I would like. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got... You went in and would get flash off the wall. Um, I think that for the first five or six or seven tattoos that I got, I never made an appointment. You just mm-hmm. went down to the tattoo parlor on Friday night with a hundred bucks in your pocket and asked him if that was enough money. It kind of reminds me of like <laughs> when you were a little kid going to the ice cream man and he'd pull up and he'd stop and you put your change up and you go, what can I buy for that? Yeah. It is an adult version of that for me. <laughs> so uh, I got into it and then... Um, for whatever reason, so I was getting a piece done on my leg a hundred years ago. It's still unfinished. I remind my tattoo artist about this all the time, but, um, I I was real splotchy tattoos here, there and everywhere. And, and I went in to get him to work on my leg and he said, John said, I don't want to, I don't want to work on your leg today. And I was like, all right, what do you want to do? And he goes, let's sleeve your arm. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, John drew, I had I had one tattoo here, and then I had my little carrot, and I had Tank Girl, and he literally drew everything else on my arm. And he said, he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to do a man's ruin tattoo. And he's like, but you don't drink or gamble. I'm like, yeah, it's just women. And he was like, done, all chicks. And so my left arm is is all girls. And from that, once you have, once I had one arm completely done, then then I felt out of balance. Yeah. And uh, and then I just, I mean, there was a period of time where I stopped getting tattooed. I actually have a tattoo appointment next month. Um, I've, I've started to get tattooed again. It's another thing that, like, I really enjoy. Um, 
it hurts a lot more now. I tell, oh, yeah? Yeah, I tell that to... <laughs> so, so my tattoo artist, John, he and I have been together. He and I have been together for a couple of decades. And, um, and so when I go in, it's like two old friends. Um, we've spent a lot of time together. He's done a lot of work on me. And, um, and, and I do, I kind of mess with people when I go in there and I sit with them. Like he was doing this black and gray piece. Um, uh, it was a Lord of the Rings ring wraith and on this girl's arm is beautiful, all black and gray. And I sat down and I was, I said, ah, it's really cool. When are you going to color it? And John just starts laughing at me. And the girl's like, it's a black and gray tattoo. And I was like, oh, man, John, remember when you used to do color tattoos? That was awesome. And he's like, you're such an asshole. But um, anyway, so it's, uh, my, I grew up, my dad was tattooed. He was a, a, a well, he was a sailor in the British Army. Um, I come from a working class family where there's tattoos. I grew up with tattoos. It was just something I think mm -hmm. that I always wanted. You know, growing up in, in the 90s, it wasn't wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Yeah. Like, you know, when I started working at Cisco, when I started working at Cisco, they didn't know I was tattooed. Um, I didn't show anybody. I wore long sleeves and long pants everywhere I went. Mm -hmm. And uh, until, I, until I really proved myself as a salesperson because there was a stigma yeah. about it then. Is it, I don't feel like it's there now. Um, and There's like, still stuff. You think so? My wife has a a, a smiley piercing, yeah. and she was looking for a job uh, within the last couple of years, a new job, and they called her and basically said, next time you should probably take that piercing out. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I feel like <laughs> so. I mean, I do. I think there's still stuff. Yeah. That ha that is out there about that kind of stuff it's it's so crazy so the kids that i used to hang out with when i was in when we talked about being a vegetarian those straight edge kids you know we had shaved heads and we looked like punk kids and wore big chokers and earrings and all that kind of good stuff and and i remember having a conversation with one of the with jaron perry one of my really good friends and um and he had said hey at some point there's going to be ceos of companies that have sleeves yeah and i said no you're crazy there's no way that's gonna happen yeah but you see that today you know you see it being more accepted i still think obviously to your point that there's still some maybe some kind of yeah prejudices about it or or whatever it may be but mm -hmm. yeah all right let's get back to the nitty-gritty <laughs> why do you run Oh, I, I run to race. Like, I run, I run to race. That's so that I can be in shape. When I first got back into running, my miles consisted mostly of races. Like, I really, run, yeah, I would race. I looked at, I looked back in the history, and and you know some of the some of the miles. Um, like in December 2015, I ran 55 miles that month. And, you know, I think I had two races. So that would be like, you know, maybe a quarter yeah. of, of the mile. So um, I use it as training for race day. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go ahead and give the listeners a warning 
that you say you run to race, but they really don't know yet. And they will in just a few minutes. That This is not a joke. It's not a joke. Yes. So last uh, on the last episode, I asked Mike Cap, um, I said, what do you like more? I said, racing or training? And he said, hands down training, like without a doubt. He just likes to go out and run. And when we had a conversation about that episode, you were like, uh, I'm like polar opposite of right. that. Talk about racing versus training for you. Yeah, so uh, racing really is, the training is a necessary evil. It's, yeah. it's something that, and I think James Moore felt that way, except he loves running with people. Like, yeah. you know, so maybe he's an oxymoron. Um, but uh, that's that's not an insult, James. <laughs> but, um, but I really, you know, Cap is, he likes to put in those long miles. He mm-hmm. likes to do that. And then race day kind of is just a test for him to see where he's at. My, I'm, I'm very competitive. I think that you've got a little sense of that in some of the conversations that we've had, but I'm very competitive. And it, and it comes down, I think, um, you know, from when I was at a young age. And most definitely when I was running cross country in, in um, high school and college and through work when I was a, a salesman, you're ranked on performance. And so for me, it really is about racing. It's to see where you are yeah, amongst everybody that shows up, your peer group. You know, I, I say things, I think I told you before, I joke because uh, rock and roll think 20 2017 2018 i can't remember but had to be 2018 rock and roll 2018 mike cap james moore jamie cole brett riley scott ward jeff frank uh scott montgomery there's like six or seven us of us in the starting crowd we all know each other we run together on the weekends etc etc and i i told i told the boys i said hey i hope you guys all have a great race i just hope mine's better Right. And it really is for me, like just to, you know, I, um, when I ran with Cap, when we ran Seashore, it was like, it was a very interesting conversation that he and I shared. Yeah. Because he had said, Hey, I'm just here to see how I'm doing. And I said, That's cool. We can see how you're doing and still beat people, you know? Because we were coming to aid stations, and I'm asking these people at the aid station, hey, how far ahead are the guys in front of us, right? And they're not even necessarily used to hearing, that's not a mentality in that environment where they're like, but for me, that was what it was all about. Hey, I think I can catch the guy in front of me. Hey, I think we can beat those guys. Hey, Mike, come on, let's go. You know, and it, it, at one point he was like, you run your own race, you know, you run your own race, you go chase those guys. I'm going to run my own race. So for me, it really is the, the competition and just trying to see, you know, be at the top of the heap. Yeah. So, What is it, what kind of feelings do you have when you're doing a race? And here's why I'm asking this, because I was at the Striders Distance Series 10 miler the other day, just trying to help volunteer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I crouched and I took a photo of these really fast runners in the first um, wave before they started. And I noticed it was a live photo when I got home. Oh, nice. Yeah, and like uh, you saw Roger Hopper, Seth, 
um, David Kidd, all, they all kind of, it seemed like they were looking down at the ground, like focusing or gathering themselves. I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure what was going through their head, but like, then you got Jenny Moran, who's like, bouncing like she's about to enter a fight dude like she's you could tell she's getting her body warm and, and ready to go like for you when you get on that starting line what what is the feeling what's going through your head what are you like at the starting line um a lot of times i am trying to control my emotions so um probably more like those guys where i'm like trying to concentrate on my breathing, slow down my heart rate. I'm very anxious to get going, right? Yeah. Like it's a horse at, a, at a, the starting gate, right? When, it, when yeah. the gun goes off, boom, you're gone. Um, and it's really trying to control that so that you don't, you don't empty the tank right away, right? Yeah. So you don't, like I tell people all the time, hey, once you use the gas in your tank, you can't put it back. Yeah. <laughs> so, so don't use it in the first part, you know, like, um, and so a lot of that for me is making sure that I control. You'll see there was a, an over overhead shot of one of the Harbor lights races and it showed the start and everybody comes out and Danny, I looked for myself in the video and it took me forever to find myself because I put myself, I don't, I don't start on the line. You know, especially now as a 46-year-old age yeah. grouper, like, there's plenty of young kids that are supposed to, you know, be out there fast killing it. So I don't want their race to influence my race, you know? If I'm towing the line with those guys and they go out, well, I'm going to go out harder than I normally would. Yeah. But if I give them space, then I can focus on my own race. And it really is just trying to control my emotions. I get super hyped. I'm up way early on race day. Um... Cat absolutely hates race day at the house. If we were going to a race together, I'm up. Let's go. What are we doing? How are you? Come on. Like, amped. Yeah. I'm so amped. And so, you know, the warm-up, the stretch, all that to that moment is amped. And then in that, I'm trying to just focus, um, bring it all in, yeah. be present in what it's at, and utilize that energy throughout the race as opposed to, you know at the start so what is it about racing that you love is it, is it a thrill like when you pass people or when you when you do oh, I well that. i mean i love passing people passing people is nice for it, sure listen do you like passing people or being passed passing people's better pa right 100 percent. passing people you always feel good when you're passing people um <laughs> getting passed mm, i never i never liked that ever i've never li once liked somebody passing me um you know, it's the sense of accomplishment yeah. for me. Yeah. So I feel like all that training is put to, it is for the race. And the race is the accomplishment. Other people see the training as the accomplishment. When you look at all the miles you've run, you've put in, you know, think about when you were doing your marathon training or your ultra running and all those long runs that you were doing yeah. and those senses of accomplishments. Yeah. Like, how excited were you when you ran? your 26 mile run and it first landed yeah right you're like yes well for me that's a necessary evil to get to that finish line yeah on race day and it really is maybe that cherry on top like that's the piece mission accomplished whatever it may be i don't think that there's really um i don't think there's ever an opportunity you can't learn from 
I think that some of my best races have been races where I haven't maybe achieved my goal or could be seen as failures because I learn about myself, the process, yeah. whatever. So on race day, even if it's not the desired time, it's like, okay, I will never tell you that I'm satisfied. You know, um, I've raced three marathons. I've cried at the end of all of them for different reasons. Yeah. Right. And I think that, you know, sometimes when you finish, you have to, you had to just be real honest with yourself. You know, hey, if my goal was to run this and I didn't get there, I can't tell you I'm, a, I'm happy that I, that I ran this other, right? Yeah. Cause I wasn't, I was trying to run, let's say I was trying to run three hours and I ran 310. Well, I can't tell you I'm excited about running 310 because, cause I was trying to run three hours, right? Yeah. But I learned it was still a good experience because so, I had things. At the end of a race, you had to face the truth about yourself. Yeah. You've, listen, race day is truth day, right? There's people that don't race and will say, hey, I could have. I, I probably could have won that. Well, you won't know until you put the bib on. Mm-hmm. Right? If you don't show, if you don't toe the line and you don't race against the competitors, then you don't know. I've gone into races thinking, hey, I got a good shot at this. Everything falls apart. Uh, I uh, ran with my buddy Brett Riley yesterday and, and there's a 20 miler distance series, right? It's coming up not too, not too far away for the striders. And a number of years ago, Brett and I, Brett and I were running, and um, I was joking on on the pictures of the race because it's a dismal swamp. You go out, you come back, right? Multiple times. The first time we come back towards the photographer, the pictures are great. We look great. We're having fun, laughing, joking. The second time I come back, I'm like, I look miserable. Uh, the temperature rose. I fell apart. Um, I walked maybe, I don't know, five or six miles in it. And when I finished, you know, Brett Riley was looking for me. He was like, he finished, I don't know, a long time in front of me. And, but when we went into it, I thought, hey, I'm going to have, this is going to be a great day. Training cycle's great. This is what's going on. Reality is you can't hide the truth, right? Yeah. There are yeah. certain things that happened that didn't allow that to to happen and to me race day is truth day you can't hide those training runs where you stop at the water fountain for 30 minutes and then you run three more miles right we've talked about that when you do when you do that and you think hey why can't i run that that pace well it's because you don't run that pace right your nutrition wasn't good you didn't get good sleep whatever it is right race day is truth day and yeah. i like i like the truth yeah i uh there's something more to to it though because you don't just like the experience of like the race. You are a racing fan. Like yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, like Yeah. I've seen you uh you traveled to Atlanta for the Olympic mm-hmm. marathon trials yeah. this year. I mean, there's a great I think Billy Yang put it together. I right? know I'm famous, right? Yeah, Billy Yang <laughs> Billy Yang, the great uh run documentary YouTube uh YouTube film director, got Scott Ward holding a big old fat American flag at the Olympic trials. But Scott just went to you just went there to yeah. be a fan. So yeah. 
um raleigh padilla actually sent that to me so shout out to raleigh for for um for sending that to me because i probably would have never found that myself and he was like hey do you see this and i was like that's my that's my minute uh, my minute of fame right there um but i had a conversation with a couple people when they announced that the trials were going to be in atlanta and i said road trip right and they're like yeah oh, that'd be cool like you know whatever but for me i was serious um i think it honestly i think it stems when when in 1984 the olympics were in la right in our neighborhood in mission viejo the cycling race happened and we could watch the race happen past our street here come these elite cyclists and they danny lived is on a downhill grade they're elite cyclists they're traveling nine million miles an hour we saw them for five seconds you know but it really lit something into in me that that that, that level of competition that it should be celebrated and for me to have the opportunity at this age to be able to say in the support of my wife to say yeah go i was like i'm i'm gonna go right and so i went i, I tried to find a place where i got side eye from des linden right because i was yelling at her i don't think that anybody cheers the same way i cheer or as loud as i cheer so often i've been told i'm the loudest voice on the course but but um but i tried to like find a space where i could be impactful you know so to speak and it really like quite honestly if you look at if you look at like where i was it helped ignite a fire to bring me back to to running yeah because at that point i wasn't running like i mean i was running but yeah. i wasn't running if you know what i mean yeah. like this year yeah, to, yeah so, we'll talk about yeah. that we'll talk about that um what's more interesting is that it's not just running races, but recently when we've been talking, you get on the treadmill and you bust out some cross country skiing. Cross country. Y'all think this man's watching cross country running? He is turning on cross country skiing on uh, Peacock, dude. <laughs> it's insane. So like, um, I watched the Tour de France. Right, I've always been a fan of the tour. I like. I enjoy the strategy and that's maybe why i like racing too because there's a lot of strategy involved and i think that in in normal practice and training you don't have a chance to be strategic about how you're going to race where you're going to surge how you're going to turn what tangent are you going to take you don't really have the opportunity to get better at any of that um i feel like you get better at, at those things at the strategy about racing by racing right mm -hmm. and so um man i i stumbled across cross-country skiing and you know about it's like it's a favorite sport during the winter uh, olympics uh, I, I really like it um but i haven't had the opportunity to like take a deep dive to steal your term take a deep dive into <laughs> into cross-country skiing and it's on peacock and we've got a treadmill in the garage and it's uh you know bone chilling cold in utah right now and and if i don't have to run outside i'm not going to necessarily so um I turn it on and there's so much strategy involved and in how and technique and the races I you know I talked to um, I talked to Drew or, I don't know maybe last week or whatever and, and I was telling him I was doing it he was kind of laughing and to me Danny I'm trying to figure out they have all these different segments right they have a race 
where it's a mass start. They line 60 guys up, 60 women up, boom, go, right? Mm -hmm. um, they have a pursuit where a guy goes out and then 20 seconds later, another guy goes out and 20 seconds later, another guy goes out. They have all, and to me in my brain, I'm thinking, how could you replicate that in a running environment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I've talked about races where you put the fastest guy last, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then do they pass? And there's some gimmicky races like that that are out there, but you know, how can you Im implement some of these other things that are out there? And, um, it's just impressive to see top athletes perform in a race, you know, in a race environment. Yeah. I got you. Now, we're about to learn the truth about how much you love racing. In your estimation, you, I guess you don't have to estimate because my, <laughs> man, my man Scott Ward has a spreadsheet. Yeah. How many races have you run so, since you started running again? Since I started, since basically, you know, 20, 2015. Um, like I said, well, we ran, we ran Anthem Wicked in 2014. But so from 2014 through through may of 2019 because we'll get to like the stop of it yeah, yeah. but but it's 156 races um and so the, it's it's a it's a it's progressive right let's let's just say this even if you break down 150 races in five years i mean that's averages out to 30 races a year that's a lot of races right like i don't even do like 10 races a year so so that's so that's where sometimes there's a disconnect right because because some people will have an a race and they're training for an a race and they don't do any lead up races yeah um uh now every race is not an ultra right i'm not running 30 100 mile races a year yeah. i've only run three marathons um in in my running career I've run a number of half marathons and 10 milers, et cetera, et cetera. Not, to me, not every race, and, and I've heard, you know, you've heard me say this, not every race is going to be a PR. Yeah. I'm not going out to set a PR every race, but like I said, the only way for me to get better at racing is to race. You can't, in a training environment, you can't emulate running in a pack. Yeah. Taking tangents on courses, right? You can't go to to Virginia Beach Boulevard and practice coming around the corner on a right and then taking a tangent on the left through traffic. You can't practice that, right? So yeah. so how do you do that? But it races. So there it's it's a progression. It's it really is interesting. You can see as you know, kind of as Adam Poole was talking about, you know, being immersed in the sport, you know, in twenty fifteen um in 2015 i ran 16 races it's not impressive you know like it's pretty mild um in 2016 i ran 34 races so i i, I was like hey i'm gonna double down on racing you know in 2017 i ran 42 races that's almost a race a week yeah close to a race a week in in 2018 I ran 44 races. And then in 2019, the wheels fell off the bus. I ran 17 races through, well, I ran 15 races through June and then a couple at the end of the year. But, um, but like I say, so racing, like to me, running is racing. Yeah. 
when you when you were racing that much, I mean, 44, 44 weeks or 44 races out of a 52-week year, I mean, you're only missing, what, eight weeks of racing? Yeah, like, some of the races, so some of the races, especially then, are like you'll double up. Doing right? the challenges and stuff. Yep, there'll be a, there's a couple times, um, I think that when Ryan Carroll was on here, uh, I, I can't remember if he talked about it, but there was a, a Virginia, like, Virginia run over in uh, Newport News and is a half marathon and a 5k. You ran it on the same day. You ran the half marathon first and then you finished and then you run ran the 5k. I think that I think that Ryan took second overall in the half marathon and then he took first overall in the 5k. The other guy didn't only ran the half marathon that day, right? And so um, that was probably the hardest double to run a half marathon, run it hard have downtime, and then try and do a 5K, which is speed. Oh my God, my legs did not want to work. So there are a couple of those races, um, but I would definitely, and I would race Saturday and Sunday, right? So in this area, there's a lot of opportunities if you want to drive. I've you know driven to Williamsburg, Newport News, Richmond. If you want to drive, you want to get in your car and go. You can race yeah, all you the could, time. You could race wherever you wanted, and so... When um, there's not a pandemic. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Pre, Pre-COVID. Nice. So let me ask you this question. When you were racing such a high volume, volume of races, what was recovery like for you? Or did you do ice baths or did you do lots of heat or did you just shake it out and hit the next one? So it, it really depends on the distance. distance. Yeah. So there's a number of 5Ks that I raced and 5Ks are a blip on the radar, right? Mm-hmm. So you can race a 5K and not really have any any challenges past a day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a half marathon, maybe it's a couple days. Maybe it's a couple days easy. Um, I would, I've got compression sleeve legs. You know, I've got a trigger gun. I've got the, the rolly stick thing. You, you got know. everything to recover. Yeah. Um, I don't use it as much as I should, you know, before, before the trigger gun became popular, when I ran Biffledink, the first year I ran Biffledink, um, you know, we were using car buffers, right? That's the first time I, I think, um, Doug told me that you told him about the car buffer and I, you brought, somebody brought a car buffer two years ago and the community used it. Yeah, that wouldn't happen during. It that won't happen. Right. That won't happen ever again. <laughs> no, you have to it's like, like hey, let's disinfect it. Right, community car buffer. Yeah, but there was, and it was, it was the first year. Uh, so the, the year before, the year before you and I met, um, I was introduced to the car buffer, and it was a game changer, especially like in that environment of running ten to five k's mm-hmm. when you're locking up and. Um, I was like, wow, this is like magical, you know, so weird. I was reluctant to try it, you know, like what, what kind of witchcraft are you getting me involved in here? <laughs> so now you've done so many races. Yeah. For in your racing career so far, what's the pinnacle for you? Cause, cause you've run three marathons, right? but in, and I'm trying to nail him. It would be Shamrock, yep. where you qualified for Boston. Yep. You ran Boston. Yep. And then most recently, you ran the New York Marathon. Yep. New York City Marathon. Yeah. Um, I don't know if marathons necessarily equate to pinnacle, but for you, what's 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 the pinnacle of your racing career? 
like the bet, like the. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Like, take it as you. <laughs> take it as I see it. Yeah. Like so. Um, the peak where you were like that was the best racing. So the absolute best race that I felt like, oh my god, amazing! I killed it, king of the world moment, right? Um, was the Richmond Half Marathon, and I had been trying to run, quote unquote, fast for a period of time. Yeah, and I had failed, right? I had had a couple of outings where it didn't go so well. Um, and I was walking in a half marathon and I had Ryan Carroll and Drew Midland ask me if I was okay, right? As they paced and went screaming by and I yelled some explicitives and, you know, just went, went on my way, right? Um, but at Richmond, the half marathon, everything kind of came together for me. And that was not only my fastest time to date at the half marathon distance, um, it opened up an opportunity to run at New York with a qualified time. Um, my friends and family were there to witness, you know, me cross the finish line. It's interesting because uh, Carl and Jill Brightweiser were up there. There's a big November project um, cheer squad that happens there that's pretty amazing. Cool. And, um, and so Jill and Carl were up there. Carl was running, I think, the marathon, and Jill was cheering. And... I warmed up a little bit with Carl, and then I said, all right, buddy, you know, have a good race, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I went over, and I was doing my stretches, and he said, I ran past you a couple times, and I could tell something big was going to happen. Like, you were so focused, like laser focused. And, uh, and that race, it just came together. It was like there's a period of time where we were running and I was in a group and, and um, in a race, in a race I never look at my watch. Never look at my really? watch. Really? Yeah, so I never look at my watch. Nothing good's from looking do at Do you control yourself or do you flip it upside down or, or is it just self-discipline where you don't look at it? Or yeah, not? I don't care, like it can beep, I don't wanna look at it, yeah. right? Cause let's say you're having a great race. You don't want it to dictate something. You don't wanna look at it and be like, oh shit, that's way too fast. Yeah. Right? Because maybe this was the race of your life today. Or you don't want to go out and have it beep and be like, oh my God, I'm so slow. Um, and so I just don't look at it. The race is what the race is. When I look at my watch, the wheels have fallen off. Like, honestly. When I ran in Boston, when I looked at my watch, it was not pretty. That's just like a UFC fighter looking up at the clock. Yeah, right? Like, like they're, you know that they feel like they're in trouble. <laughs> when they're I like, only, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting beat here. I need to look at the clock. So that's that's the way I feel. So so I was running the race, and there was a point in time where the where one of the guys I was running with said, you know, is, is this the 125 pace group? And I was like, well, shit, that's like a PR. I said, oh, I hope so. You know, we're, we're five or six miles in. I was like, oh, I hope so. Now, Danny, let me tell you this. I'm, I'm clicking along as fast as I have ever run in a, in a half marathon. And it was cold that day. And, and this is why I say fast is relative. I'm clicking along. There's a gentleman in front of me running with his friend. He is wearing like Adidas sweatpants like basketball style, yeah. you know, sweatpants. 
He's got a jacket on. We're three or four miles into the race, and this guy is um, this guy is starting to overheat. He's just pacing his friend. His friend's racing. They're talking. He's clearly a better runner than his than his buddy. Danny, this gentleman, and I watched this happen. Like I say, I'm 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 cruising along. I watched this guy happen, um, and you know, I'm running like six ten pace, right? So, I feel like it's it's pretty good. This guy cruises over to the side of the road. His pants won't come off his shoes. He sits down on the road. He takes both shoes off. He takes his pants off. He puts his shoes back on. He takes his jacket off. He puts, he changes, he has to then put his shirt back on. So he stops and does this, does these things. I see him struggling with his, with his clothing. We pass him. We happen to pass him to where there, there's a, like a short out and back. So our little group passes him and then we're coming up, coming back down the street the other way. Danny, that asshole caught us and passed us like we were standing still. Right? Like we were stand, no, no problem at all. His buddy is, I mean, hundreds of yards up the road and he goes scooting up to catch him. Um, so that race, it just had a lot in it for me to where I finished and I was like, I think that- That's such a funny sidebar because you, your assumption is this guy is not a runner. Yeah. I'm thinking this guy, like what's he doing? He's ill-prepared. He doesn't know what he's doing. What is, yeah. And our little group, like as we pass him, everyone looks to the right and looks at him like dumbass, you know, being super judgmental. And then he's in his tracksmith shorts and singlet you know his his shoes or whatever and and he's got gear and he just goes galloping past us like in in the running you can never judge a book by its cover right ever yeah there are people that look like when you see them at the starting line or warming up like oh my god amazing and then they run and they they're not anything spectacular and there are other people that show up and like they look like bill belichick and then you realize that they've won the Super Bowl like six times, right? And and that's just what happens. Like, so you're right. You can't you can't judge a book by a yeah. cover. Nice. Um, as a person who's done most of his races in Virginia, that that's a true statement, probably. Yes. What are some of the most underrated or overlooked races in our area that you think people should give a shot or get open their hearts to when racing comes back so one of the races that i was introduced to by steve armitage who he's the self-proclaimed king of is the mud in your eye cross country season cross country series sorry um metal events puts it on it would be going on about now because it populated my facebook memories the other day and it's a three race series um it's got three different venues three different distances it's a team event you can also run individual but it really focuses on the cross-country style of you know you put a team together and you race um and that really is one of the most fun experiences you know thomas hicks to his credit started a cross-country race when he became um 
when he I think when he was when he became involved with the Striders leadership, um, and I know that that's been well received. So it's something that's different. Uh, the thing that I really liked about it is you have to put a team together, and so it it changes the dynamic of racing. It's not so much about the time that you cross the line, but the people that that you beat, right? Yeah. And so even though you might not have your best race or your best time, which you're not because there's like mud holes where you are going to go, you know, shin deep, it easy. Yeah. Um, but it's about, hey, Danny, catch this guy, right? This is the other team. Um, do that. So that's, to me, that's a lot of fun. That one's, yeah. that one's really uh, kind of a sleeper of event for me. And one of my favorite um one of my fi- favorite five k's in the area is actually in williamsburg and it's the run the dog 5k and it is it's put on by i think the colonial runners and um man it's fast it's a it's a fast race uh it's a good course um you get some of those college kids out there you get you know you just go yeah it's not an easy course there's a there's a good there's a good climb in it there's um there's actually i think two two uphill portions but the thing's fast man and it's just like i don't know that people in this area travel like we've taught you know you've talked about that like Mm -hmm. people don't want to go through the tunnel yeah um people don't want to come over here yeah one of the coolest races that ann did from metal was when you ran through the tunnel when they were redoing it they did the midtown tunnel 5k um that would have been awesome it was i think about that every time i drive through the tunnel not every time because i drive through the tunnel a lot but i think about it often it was it was hot it was in the summer it was hot it was miserable it really was it was because you get into like the stagnant air but it was so cool ryan carroll you know came out and destroyed everybody that day and made us look like we were you know standing still but um you know i think like just some of those races that are maybe a little more unique there's i love some of the bigger races but those ones you know are maybe a little bit hidden gems yeah you there's um there's a guy who does races here in portsmouth um some right the uh what was his name What's it? Road Rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Road Rage has, isn't that they're like a Russ does the Coast Guard Cutter uh, over here. He does a 10k and a 5k. Um, that's a tough double two on the same day. Um, Russ does a good job. He's and that's I met. I think I met Forrest um, for the first time at a, at a Road Rage event. He does um, a lot of races at the waterfront on the boardwalk. He's he's got. Uh, a, some races. He does a lot of those challenge races. He does some stuff at Mount Trashmore. He's got like a, a hills race where you have to run a 7K through the hills, which absolutely kills you. And then he's got a race over here where he runs a 5K and a 10K. Um, he does a nice job. Rest, the road race does a good job. So it's, um, I, I don't want to, I, I, this is, this is one of my favorite run races. So, um, the NASA Langley Moonwalk. I was going to bring this up. In just a second, if you weren't going to say it, because uh, you've told me about this. Oh, uh, it's it's awesome. I love it. So, um, what's it called again? I kind of NASA think... Langley Moonwalk. It's a 5K, and it's mostly for NASA employees over at um, at the Langley side over there. And I don't know how. Listen, 
You find a lot of funny races when you're trying to race every weekend. There was a thing that I used to do on Facebook where I would say race your roll call, right? Like, where are you at this weekend? What are you doing? Um, and and then I, you know, um, I track you. I see how you did so that I could be like, hey, good job at this race or that race. But the NASA race is a, is a 5K. You run through, you run through the, um, you run through NASA over there. It's like, it's just like, I don't, I'm a, I'm kind of a space guy. Like, I like that. I'm watching, you know, I've got an app on my phone that tells me how many people are in space and who they are and how long they've been there. And so that piece of history and the history that's there is you run on that campus is super cool. You run through a hangar, you know, uh, the first year that we did it, I, I was like, hey, Kat, you see, you see that warehouse over there? And she goes, yeah. I said, that's where they filmed the moon landing. And she's like, <laughs> she, <laughs> we were dying. But, you know, it's just fun stuff. Like some of that stuff where it's a little quirky, you know, it's a different, it's a different area that you run in. Um, Is that race open to the public? Yeah. So there's, there's a limited number of spots. I can't, you know, you can, you get like a pass. You, so you, you register. And then you go to packet pickup, they, they have your name, you get a pass to get on, you go, it's, um, it's pretty cool. It's not like, a, it's not a huge race, because they can't support it, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a 500 or 700. It sounds know. epic, dude. It's really cool. Like, in their, in their finish, um, you know, the finish arch has like a moon man, and they have cool drones, like, you think that like drones are cool, like these guys, these NASA scientists that come out and fly these drones over the stuff. It's, I mean, it's a cool one. Now, I do want to bring this up because although it will be the third time that me and you have had this conversation, because I like what you have to say so much. And I don't think that, I did give the listeners an opportunity to hear it, but I don't think it reached our broader audience because it was on the 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 Wednesday night lives that I was doing oh, during right, quarantine. Right. Yeah. But I really want you to just kind of share a little bit about your philosophy about running in unfamiliar places oh. and why that's beneficial. Yeah, so I love I mean obviously my 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 favorite race that I've run, you know, for myself was Richmond. Um I performed really well there. Um I raced in Germany. That's why I asked James about the the bubble water when he ran Berlin because I ran a small race in Germany and they gave you carbonated water at, the, at your water stops and I was like blown away by it. It was flavored carbonated water is the most it was the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> and I ran in Scotland, um, and I mean I've I've raced in other states too. So, but the the reason why. I'm a proponent of that is when you show up on race day, it's all about you. So I haven't traveled anywhere to race with anybody other than my wife. Um, we even, well, Dogfish Dash, we've done that with some friends, but it's not like me and my training bunnies going someplace to race, right? I'm not taking Brett Riley with me outside of Boston to where we're in the corral together and we're gonna go race. Mm -hmm. So when I get there, it's 100% about me. I don't know anybody what their performance is like at all. I'm not looking at Roger Hopper and being like, oh, Roger's going to win. 
or great, Ryan's here, or there's Drew, right? So immediately I'm going to be in like whatever place I'm going to be in. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a race, there's a couple races here when I was running pretty well, um, where I was running with a group of guys that always beat me. And so in this one race specifically at the corporate 5k, um, I never ran away from them. I sat with them because in my brain, I was saying, these guys are, these guys are faster than me, Mm -hmm. right? Like these guys are better than me. So I'm not gonna like, this is where I belong. Reality is I was in better shape. I was having a better race. I should have ran away from them. I shouldn't have thought about it. And when you go into an environment that you're not familiar with, you run 100% your race. And it is what it, you're not trying to like pick and choose where people are. And when you race as much as I have, you become very aware. Like I said, Steve Armitage, after we started racing, he's like, yo, this guy is in like my peer group. Yeah. I need to figure out who he is and how fast he runs and like, et cetera. And so when you're around here all the time and that's all you're racing, well, you just know who your peer group is, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think the craziest thing that happened recently is um, when they had ERR and the kids from North Carolina came up and nobody knew who the kids from North Carolina were, but you still had our local favorites and you were like, ah, well, this guy's good or that guy's good. They're probably going to win. And then you hear, here you had these kids that nobody had seen come out and just torch everybody. And that's, it's a good feeling to go out and perform better than what you thought you were. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes you hold yourself back. Yeah, we box, we get ourselves boxed in. Yeah, this is, hey, this is where I belong. I'm just going to go, right? Hey, if I just went out and, and ran with James and, and Cap and, brett riley and those guys right mm-hmm. either i'm holding myself back or i'm holding them back yeah you know but if i go someplace where i don't know who those guys are i mean i've performed infinitely better outside of the home market yeah it's interesting stuff dude um as we get ready to wrap this episode up i do want to touch briefly on your injury because you had an injury really derail your running Yes. Pretty big time. And that's, I mean, it was happening when me and you first met at Biffledink. We actually dropped out of the race. <laughs> the same time. At the same exact <laughs> round. I was like, I think I'm done. You were like, I'm done too, dude. So, Solidarity. But, yeah, but, but you had just run Boston and you were dealing with some pretty, pretty major issues. What, what happened? So in the run up to Boston, um, I had had, it's really... Um, in the run up to Boston, I had had some some leg pain, and um, that's what introduced me to direct performance. Right, so um, I got a, I got in. I saw Jake and David. They hooked me up. Um, I think David. I'm David's first uh, Valentine's Day uh, client. So you know, we will always have that, David. But um, anyway, and they fixed me up great, and I felt like. A million bucks right and got back on training was all good and then um and then we get into like the boston times and frame and um ran boston less than 
less than ideal performance, right? I had big dreams that weren't realized and um, it was what it was. And then shortly thereafter, I mean, I think it's like literally right around the corner, right? Um, so 12 days later, not maybe my smartest, <laughs> smartest play, but 12 days later is Biffledink, right? And I'm already registered for it. And Biffledink is a funny race anyway, because I would have never found Biffledink. It's, it's Doug's fault that I found Biffledink because um, I think one of the runners couldn't make it. There was a, there was a, an opening the previous year and, and Doug said, Hey, you know, get Scott involved. And then I ran it. And I think you've said before, I really like Biffledink. It's like a festival atmosphere. It's the best, man. Right? Yeah. Like it, the day sucks. Nobody's super excited about running seven, eight, nine, and 10, but, but the atmosphere is phenomenal. And I felt that way too. Like the, the, the first year that I did it, I was like, Hey, this is so even though it was 12 days after Boston, I was still, I'm going to go out and do it. Um, and I had won the year previously. And then this year, a bunch of jerks came out so that I couldn't win. Um, like Joel Bell and Johnny Walker and Mike Cap, And, um, and we were, uh, Joel Bell and Johnny Walker were in like this crazy fight for supremacy. And Mike Cap and I were running together we've we've raced a number of times together and and um i think mike i think mike beat me pretty handily in in the first one and then he was like cool i've got a cushion i'll just run with scott you know now because because we're ahead um again strategy right yeah and we we run the first one we run the second one faster than the first one we run the third one faster than the second one we run the fourth one faster than the third one. And I'm saying, guys, by the time this is done, I'm going to PR in my 5K, right? Like, what is going on? But Johnny and Joel were in this battle, and and Cap and I were caught up in trying to keep up, right? Yeah. And um, well, I'll tell you what number it was. But anyway, oh, maybe I don't know. Um, do you know what number you dropped down? I got 18 miles, so it must have been six. Okay. So, so I think that's about right. So we get through to five and I've got this f funny feeling in my leg and that's how, that's all I can say. Like I'm yeah. not a doctor. Mm -hmm. I might give, I might give Stephen McKenzie medical advice, right? I've been known to, to tell professionals what they should do, but, but I don't know. Um, I sell food for a living. You will hear me say that all the time. I don't know. I like, I sell food for a living. So, um, so I get through and, and I talk to coach at that time and, and I say, hey, my leg's funny. And uh, he's like, well, dude, you're you know, 12 days removed from Boston. Like that training cycle, you know, makes sense. And I said, well, I don't want to drop. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run one more, right? Um, I had fallen back, I think, pretty, pretty decently from cap at, at, at that point. And then I was like, well, I'll try one more. And I tried one more and it felt like I just had a dead leg, right? And so, um, so I dropped. I was like, "Hey, peace out, going home. Good luck to you guys." No, you—that's a lie. I stuck around and yelled at them. Um, I yelled at them. Yeah, I enjoy. I watched. I watched the finish because I enjoy. Like you said, I enjoy the race. Yeah, yeah. Like I enjoy the race. So I stayed and yelled. They started to slow down. I asked them why they waited 
till I dropped to, to slow down because that was kind of an asshole move. Like we could have slowed down when I was still in it, you know? Thanks for waiting till I drop. But but as you recall, that day was pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I call up my friends at Direct Performance and I say, hey, this is what's going on. And I get hooked up with Amanda and we do some evaluation stuff and um and i feel like we're on like a road to recovery and then i go to november project and we're doing hills because you know jill loves hills Mm -hmm. right so we're doing hills and i'm just plodding along doing hills but danny the next day i can't walk right Mm. The, the next day i can't walk and i have an appointment with amanda and i'm scared to death because we've made some progress on this on this injury in my leg and um so i'm sitting out at uh rosemont and she comes to get me and um i say okay she's like let's go i say okay you go first and she's like what's what's wrong and i said nothing nothing's wrong and she goes no no what's what's wrong and um so I get up and, and I literally hobble down the, the, the hallway. And we get in there and she said, what'd you do? And I said, I was November Project and I ran hills. And this is really when she started to look more lower back. Like, you know, we were already targeted that, but we really started to hone in on that. And I ended up getting a referral and I ended up going in to get an MRI. And it came back that I had um, herniated disc uh, L5-S1 with severe nerve compression and um, basically they said you can get you got three options you can do nothing you can get injections or you can have surgery so I consulted uh, my friends at direct performance and we did injections and it didn't really help me it gave me a little bit of relief but but not a lot and ultimately if you look at my running history, I quit running again. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of you know where where things ended up with my herniated disc, with my injury. Yeah. Um, and the thing was, nobody they couldn't tell it wasn't because of anything, right? It's not like you were out running, you put your foot in a hole, you broke your ankle, mm-hmm. or. Um, or you had a stress fracture. It was none of that. It was the the specialist actually told me you could literally herniate your disc making the bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, it really was a difficult time for me to wrap around because obviously this was my community. Yeah. This was my identifier. In a way, it really was my life. You yeah. know. And. It probably didn't help that during that time, that's when you actually moved away from all this, like to Utah. No. So, um, so I didn't move. Well, we were in the midst of that transition. Yeah. Um, but I was, so that was uh, May. And then we moved September. Gotcha. Maybe. So there was a couple months. Yeah. There, there was a t- couple months where um, I ran. So. After Biffledink, I mean, I had races on the, I had races on the books. Yeah, I ran, um, I ran CHKD, 
had and and just felt horrible. Yeah. I ran there's a Ocean Lakes Dolphin Dash race um for for um Ocean Lakes to support like their PTA or something like that 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 the boys and I do. Oh, I just cramped my leg. Um and hamstring? Yeah. I almost had a hamstring cramp earlier. <laughs> From that trail run yesterday. <laughs> no. Um, so I ran Dolphin Dash and whatever. Then I ran ERR. Um, there's a race that's really this. This is I'm glad this came up because there's a race that's kind of important that I want to touch on. I apologize for being all over the place on you, but um, one of the races that's real important to me is Run to Remember, and it happens out at the Aviation um, Museum on Memorial Day. And it goes uh, to help the the funds go to help the wives of Navy SEALs that were killed um, during Operation Red Wings. And so it's I've watched it grow. JNA's got involved with it. Um, I watched it grow from a small race at Wesleyan College to a much larger race. So if anybody has the opportunity, if that comes back, that'd be awesome. But anyway, I was doing those races because it was so much like what I wanted to do but it was counterintuitive to what you know I should have been doing yeah and then yeah and then I moved so you struggled with the idea of running and it was physically physically difficult but you said kind of around the trials it kind of lit a fire in you to try to kind of keep doing the work to recover lots of lots of press-ups I did so like so, um, we moved to Utah. Uh, I wasn't running, and it was tough for me to run, right? Now I'm at 4,200, 4,400 feet. Um, I haven't run in a while. It's, it's a battle to get, it was a battle to run 945 pace for me, right? Yeah. Which, for me, was like a big blow to my ego. Yeah. Um, because I just felt like I should be doing better. And... So that was hard for me. Um, I ended up doing a lot of press-ups. You know, Stephen McKenzie was really instrumental in, are you doing your press-ups? What are you doing? How can we do it? Um, And then I went to, what really happened is at the start of the year, Sham called me and he said, are you going to run TSP? And I said, bro, I'm not even running, you know, like I've run, Danny, I've run more in the first 15 days of this month than I ran the entire month last year because I wasn't running. Mm -hmm. And so Sham said, listen, it's not until April, right? Uh, I'm going to put a a space marker for you in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And we'll get there. And I just, I, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't 100% in. I kept telling him, hey, I'll drive the RV, right? I'll mm-hmm. drive the RV, no problem. Um, and he's like, you know, if you can run, I'd like you to run. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't let go of it. And I'm thankful for that. And then um, I went to the trials. And I watched these guys. It was inspiring, man. Yeah. It was inspiring. The thing that was crazy to me is 
there can only be three people, right? There's only three dudes. There's only three women. There's an alternate. That's it. Yeah. But everybody else, the people that were at the back, Danny, there were these two ladies that had qualified for trials that were, I don't know, geez, seven, eight months pregnant that were there running. They had qualified. They were going to run the trial. So they did one lap and then they withdrew. But to see those two ladies come by, bellies out to here, mm-hmm. doing it, it was in, it was inspiring. And I came home so invigorated. The, the fire was lit. And kind of right around that same time, COVID started happening, right? Um, things changed. And, and I say this a lot. COVID, COVID saved my running. I didn't travel. I was stuck at home. It pushed right at the beginning in that March time frame. I mean, I was supposed to come out here and run Shamrock with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but TSP got moved till their, their live date was going to be in October. And I told Sham, hey, I think I can get in shape. And um, I just started running again. I started taking care of my body again. And I ended up the I ended up finishing last year with over two thousand and twenty miles, and I would have never thought in March of twenty twenty that I would have finished the year out. I was I mean it is amazing. Yeah, that's good stuff. Let's get into your faves, dude. Okay, I got a couple. Of, I've got a couple curveballs for you in here, dude. All right. You will feel put on the spot. And you will have to make difficult choices. And let me tell y'all something. The most important question is the color question. Because Scott razzes everybody about their colors, bro. Scott, what is your favorite color? Uh, so, my favorite color is red. That's strong. That was my favorite color for probably a decade. It's, it's, hard, it it's hard not. Red's a very powerful color. Yeah. It's hard not to be drawn to red. Yeah. I look good in red. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, you know, green is probably the ugliest color for somebody to pick. <laughs> I don't know who would do I've that. I've only had one guest do that, dude. Who he's, was that? He's probably not remember. very smart. <laughs> um, you know, Drew Midland likes purple. Like, where are these people? Co- rainbow, Danny? Can we talk about rainbow? Rainbow is a color <laughs> because white or light is a rainbow. White is a rainbow. All right. It's I'll a let you. Hey, it's your show. I'll let you slide on it. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite movie? So I thought about this, and it's very difficult for me to pick a movie. So can we can we say our my favorite sh- like TV show or show? You can do that. Okay. So my favorite show is Stranger Things. Oh, okay. My wife is crazy about that. I love Stranger Things. I love the nostalgia for it. I think that having Eleven be like this powerful hero is amazing. I really enjoy, quite honestly, the relationship that the friends have. Like being invested in friends, being invested in a in a small group of people is something that I'm very respectful of. Yeah. And so that show because I watch so many movies and I tried to think about it and I was like, you know, we had joked because I said Dr. Detroit was my favorite movie and nobody's probably seen that. I've seen so many movies. <laughs> I've seen so many movies. And Dr. Detroit is not my favorite movie, but 
you know, when you start, when you go in the way back machine and you're like Back to the Future or, um, or the Godfather series or some of the stuff, I will tell you the movie I watch all the time, every time it's on, there's two, Cat Gets Crazy, but one is um, Passengers with, uh, what's his bucket? Okay, for I haven't ever seen it. I really? Never, I can't it's, um that. Who's the dude that's in, that's in Guardians of the Galaxy? Chris Pratt? He's in it. Okay. And then it's Jennifer Lawrence. Is she Mystique in X-Men? Yeah. Yes, those two. Watch it every time it's on TV, a million times. It's a space thing. I like it. And the other one is um, uh, 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 Edge, Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. I watched that one. On every- the planet? On that? He's on that planet and he dies and he regenerates and then he does it again and it's like Groundhog Day but it's yeah. a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Like I have watched it, I don't know, 150 times. It's not my favorite movie, <laughs> yeah, but it's but one of those guilty pleasures every time it's on. It. Like, and Kat is like, "How many times have you seen That's this?" Funny. What's your favorite race? So my favorite race that I've run. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So I thought about this. My favorite race. There's two. Can I have two? That's fine. Okay. So my favorite race that I've run is um, is a half marathon that I ran in Scotland. And for a number of reasons. It's the only race I've ran where you start at the finish line and you can see the hill that you're going to climb for a mile and a half from the start line. It's a crazy course. But my family was able to see me run there. I was actually on television, so the people that weren't there, you know, just a crowd shot. Um, I was like a crazy guy in the thing. So it was cool to run in front of family, have family be there. I had a good time, like uh, a good result. So it was that. And my other favorite race is, which is interesting, is the New York City Marathon. Because it's my slowest marathon result but it was probably the most rewarding race um, that I ran. You know, one of the things I missed, the other advice column, as I, as I say, respect the process, right? That's the other thing I say, respect the process. And it was difficult for me to toe the line at New York because I hadn't put in the hundreds of miles of work. Yeah. I hadn't done the long runs. I wasn't running. I told, I told Kat, I'm not gonna race. She said, you're an idiot. Yes, you are. I said, no, it's not fair to these people, right, that have done all of these things. It's really important to me to respect the process of, you know, especially like 50Ks, 100 milers, marathons, like that stuff. 5K, anybody can show up and, you know, do whatever. But but for that and that whole experience of the New York City Marathon, I haven't done anything else that would replace it. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say really great things about New York City Marathon. Yeah. All right, this one's twofold also. What's your favorite route to run into 757? So when you were here, what was your favorite route? (laughs) Danny, I'm such a creature of habit. Like, even uh, Drew made fun of me because I have this really cool treadmill, and you can can do stuff on it and create routes. And in one of the routes that I first created was my old route in my neighborhood. Yeah. So there's just a route in the old neighborhood that is like my go-to you could run three five seven you know there are little add-ons here yeah. so i would say the old neighborhood route because super easy for me to run there does drew use those routes no it's so interesting because so dougie fresh 
lives in the in the neighborhood over and so i would run from my neighborhood and then go over to doug's neighborhood and drew runs in the neighborhood and then goes out the other side gotcha. so gotcha yeah my uh my in-laws live over there in point pleasant yeah near there so um it's a, i love running over there it's a quiet community like there's not a lot of traffic on the road like say so you can do yeah. a lot of stuff you can get different places um so yeah what's your favorite route to run in utah there's a big box so um there's like uh i can draw the map of utah um and this so the roads where i live is are country roads so they're just long and straight yeah and so there's like it's um it's about a 10 mile it's a 10 miler and i just run out to the end of the street bang a right run for two miles bang a left bang a right bang i mean it's just um rolling hills straight my wife hates it because there's like it's really boring yeah but for me i feel like that monotony just helps me get into the groove of the run yeah all right i think most people who know you probably know the answer to this what's your favorite shoes <laughs> it's funny because i was just talking about this um so i only buy the orange box yeah i'm a nike fan the um the thing is, Nike started putting their expensive shoes in a black box, oh, and so uh -oh. yeah, I, we were we were joking that um, that I can't afford the black box. So my, so <laughs> I still run, I still run in Nikes. I've run in Nikes ever since I came back. I ran in Nikes when I was in college. I wore Sockenies like my freshman year in high school, and since then it's just been Nikes. All right, I'm gonna put the pressure on you, and I know there's people listening to this that this will be important too. Who's your favorite physical therapist? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Oh man! I should have wore it. You know, it's funny. I I packed it, but I didn't. I didn't wear it. Is I have my direct performance shirt with with everybody's names on it. So um, I don't know if the Norfolk guys listen to the podcast. I don't think they do. Okay, good, because the Norfolk guys don't know i mean they probably know who scott ward is just because like i'm an idiot but but i never went to any of them right so i know the i know all the other guys um what i gotta pick one well um, all right we'll make it easy i pick amanda because she's the fastest <laughs> i'm gonna pick amanda because she's the that fastest. probably won't ruffle any feathers <laughs> hey when steven can beat her in a mile Maybe he can move up the chain. But right now, Amanda's, she ran that, that mile time trial faster than, than any of the other kids. So Yeah. All right. So I got one more. I'm interested in this because you do like racing so much. Yeah. Other than yourself, who's your favorite runner? Ever? Yeah, sure. So Jared Ward is like my favorite, my favorite runner. Um, I definitely also lean to road racing. Um, I'm not as much into the the trail scene i don't know all the cool kids there yeah um i would say you know if i were to pick um a nationally known runner i would say jared ward i've had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times he's super humble um he he's asked, probably your cousin dude right i keep looking <laughs> i wish i could get some of those so the gift of speed um and i would say locally i'll give you a local guy i think locally my favorite runner is steve spears um i have nothing but respect for steve he's you know a 50 year 54 year old badass that's out there 
it's hard to pick. There's a lot of there's a lot of really talented people, but I really look up to Steve. He's been instrumental in kind of my journey. Um, maybe like as that that mentor type role when I've had some questions, and the stuff that he's done is just phenomenal. So, I mean, I can't. Like I say, plenty of good people, but those would be my two. Maybe one of these days I can get Steve Spears on the show. That'd be awesome. Steve's got you know, <laughs> Steve does. Steve's got done a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, I think he's still got a number of good years ahead of him mm-hmm. to do amazing things. And he's I just, don't know, man, because like he ran that 100k, did great at it. Then the next week won a 50k. <laughs> you know, at what what age is he? 54. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So thanks for winning everything. <laughs> yeah, Steve's Steve's, and he's a he's legitimately a very humble person. Um, he ran the Rocky, I think it's the Rocky 100, and I made spear shirts. And he's another guy like Drew, where he's he doesn't want the attention. Yeah. But I just feel like, you know, I feel like those guys really deserve um, the appreciation. Yeah. From from people. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap there, and surprise, we'll come back for another episode. Woo! <laughs> If this interview doesn't make you miss racing, I don't know what will. We have a special surprise. We'll be back for a third episode with Scott Ward next week. To do this interview, he flew all the way from Utah, so I'm giving the man the time he needs to express himself. Next week, we'll talk about all the ways Scott Ward has helped to bolster our run community and be a major source of encouragement. So, until then, this is Danny, signing off. Godspeed.